Hey, Northeast Pennsylvania, it's Rob O'Donnell here on WILK News Radio, 103.1 FM, 910, 980 AM, or anywhere on the Odyssey app. 42 degrees and sunny here at 309 on this Tuesday, February 20th, 2024. Hopefully, you had a little extended weekend. Hopefully, you got another day to get things done, to rest, to do whatever you needed to do. I know a lot of you didn't. Uh, I get it. I've been there myself. but hopefully you had some time to unwind. I, uh, Like I said on Friday when I left, I was boss for a couple of days, but kind of really wasn't. Um, my wife's cousin came up, and they went to go visit my daughter out in western Pennsylvania, but when she came up Friday from New York, uh, something was going on with her car, hoping it was something uh, not, too, not too bad, but uh, Saturday I spent the day troubleshooting the car, and it turns out, to be something uh, with the transmission. I believe the clutch plates or something was going bad with her vehicle. So uh, thankfully was able to get it back to my driveway because uh, it was the upper gears, so it was anything above 40 miles per hour. Kind of got hokey. I, I don't know how she made it here, but uh, you know, spent the day dealing with that, almost breaking down myself. Uh, but when it was able to get it home. Uh, they came home Sunday morning, were able to get the car towed back to New York on Sunday evening and left uh, Monday morning uh, on the bus back to New York. So kind of put a hiccup in everybody's weekend a little bit, kind of made it, uh, you know, I guess uh, they said she relaxed a little bit and they had a good time out with my daughter in western Pennsylvania. But, uh, you know, things that happen, you know, everything uh Everything doesn't always go smoothly, and sometimes it's uh, you just got to roll with the punches. So I was hoping it was something minor, and we'd be able to deal with it. A lot of you know that I will be uh, broadcasting live from CPAC, the Conservative Political Ac- Action Conference, down in National Harbor, Maryland, just outside of Washington, D.C., on Thursday and Friday. I was hoping to broadcast Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, but because of the lineup that's going to be there, There's an extensive security check and credentialing that's taking place tomorrow evening, so the broadcast row will not be open. they got to, you know, vet all our equipment that we're bringing in, um, store it for us, because uh, there's going to be major security checkpoints going in and out. They'll have the president of Argentina, the current president of Argentina is planning to be there. The current president of El Salvador is going to be there. The former prime minister and current member of the parliament of England will be there. And you'll also have former President Donald Trump there on Saturday, I believe he's speaking. I'll be there tomorrow, probably get there tomorrow early afternoon till uh, I'll be there till Saturday. So probably leave sometime after Trump speaks. And uh, it, it look it's looking to be a real good lineup. I'm going to have members of Congress as guests on the show. I'm going to have members of the Senate, United States Senate on the show. I'm going to have former uh, directors, the Tom Holman, who's been on the show before, direct former director of ICE. Um, hopefully, uh, some other lineup CEOs and experts in the fields of uh, things that that are, are happening now, things that are relevant to what's going on in our nation. So it, it looks like it's uh, winding uh, up to be a real good show. Hopefully, fingers crossed. The technical difficulties are minimal. We'll be able to bring out yeah, everything we need. We'll have uh, the assistance here from our producers in the WILK studio that, that 
the show does not get to you without them. So I appreciate everything they do. And it's a lot of work throughout the day. So uh, hopefully uh, everything goes well. And again, uh, the lineup alone, I think, is going to be a, a real good time for the show, both uh, regular time, 3 to 6, Thursday and Friday. Tomorrow you'll have Sue Henry. She'll be in. I'm going to touch base with her and uh, call in to uh, see how things are going, if I'm able to, depending on what kind of security vetting and everything we can get through smoothly there and check the equipment to get it into broadcast row where it will be stored. This way you don't have to bring it in and out of uh, the Secret Service checkpoints that are going to be there. So it's, I believe this is my ninth CPAC that I've been going to. It's the second one that I broadcasted from uh, myself. I was there last year just only after being here just over a month. And it was a, a good show, so I'm looking forward to it. So long days, tiring. And like I said, it's not really – I got a lot of rest this weekend. We're going to talk about some local stories here today. There's a lot of things going on. They finally charged those Kansas City juveniles with the shooting that's out there. It's amazing how fast that kind of went away, right? 20, 22, 23 people injured, one person dead. And, uh, you know, kind of – Kind of not much going on there, especially that. And and, and we're going to get into this later. And the, the shooting in the Joel Osteen church kind of went away. You know, you're not hearing a lot of the the mantras of, of the normal things. And again, Senator Bob Casey here within, you know, 15 minutes, 20 minutes of the incident was already saying that they need common sense uh, laws and reforms and everything before he knew a fact of what was going on. And then... Nothing, right? It's off the radar. You know, five people shot in New York City we talked about the other day. We're going to get into that as well. Another uh, one dead and five injured in a Waffle House shooting in another city. You know, really haven't heard much about that, right? Because that's not what they can. They, they want the shootings that they could politicize. They want the ones that they could rile you up, you know, try to blame on on uh, all sorts of things. But But crime, right? Bad actors. They don't want to. Blame it on that. They want to blame it on whatever weapon was used, whatever motive there was behind there. But when it doesn't fit that, they kind of don't uh, don't fall in line because that's why you really haven't heard much about the Kansas City celebratory Super Bowl shooting. Again, 23 injured, one dead, uh, half of them being younger. And, uh, yeah, it's really not important anymore. Thankfully, the news came out today that they were finally charged. So let's go to the phones real quick. We have uh, Joe from Edwardsville on Kansas City. Joe. Hey, Rob. How you doing, brother? Welcome back. I'm sorry your weekend got boned up on you. Nah, it happens. Hey, you know, you do what you got to do for your family. Um, so real quick, I wanted to, because I was as I was listening to your best of yesterday and uh, discussion you were having with a caller, about whether or not this would turn into a racial thing, or these poor kids, you know, and you were like, nah, I don't think anybody's that stupid. They're going to overreach that far. Son of a gun, if it didn't happen. Um, I know mayor, I know exactly what you're going for already. Okay, bro. You know, I should have just had confidence that you saw this. No, no, I'm glad you up. brought it up. It actually slipped my mind when I was talking about, you know, it, leaving the media altogether. Uh, but I did have some interaction on social media with this. So, yeah, I know, go ahead. I, I know exactly where you're going. Yes. Well, apparently the mayor of Kansas City is calling out the governor 
because the governor called. He, he said, this is a racial dog whistle because the governor of the state called these shooters thugs. Now, I, I could think of another word that, you know, usually we use for a prophylactic device that I would have used, but it comes to the same thing. It's, oh, my, I cannot believe that that's, no, they're, what, what are they, misunderstood? What, what, come on. Well, that, that's, that's exactly, uh, that's exactly, exactly, Joe, that, that's exactly the direction he wants to go in. And, and, and it's, it's incredible that the, the governor, you're right, called him thug and the mayor jumped out and the mayor was good up until this point. You know, he had decent press conferences. He was, he kept, uh, you know, the, the information was good for the investigation as it lasted. And then it kind of started falling off the radar. And the governor called the individuals that were involved in this thugs. And it is. They're gang members. They're thugs. They're, they're young, uh, young no, I, I hard to even call them young adults. They're thugs who came to a parade where a million people were coming to celebrate with weapons to get into it. They were looking for something or else they wouldn't have had their weapons. Exactly. And that's another part of this on the same, in the same vein. When you listen to ABC, NBC, CBS, and that's all I get. I don't have cable, so I don't hear CNN or Fox. But when you listen to ABC, CBS, NBC, they say, and it turns out this wasn't terrorism. This was a dispute between two groups of people. We used to call them gangs. Yeah, and if you can't if you can't call them out, identify what the problem is from the start. What kind of success ratio are you going to have combating it moving forward? Obviously, with 800 law enforcement officers there, a million people, they felt comfortable enough to bring long arms to a celebration to where they can get into an argument and then pull out those long arms in front of thousands of people and open fire on each other. Yes, and you know, and again, you know, perhaps you know, expected to be living like in New York City where everybody wants to duck their head and run and cover. Out in the Midwest, it doesn't play so well. And I'm surprised they haven't charged that guy who beat on that shooter yet the same way they did with um, Penny, the Marine from the, the subway. It, this is insane. Well, it, 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 they show the difference, the, the media especially. I blame them first and foremost. Listen, th this mayor's a politician. He'll show you know who he is time and time again. And again, if you can't call someone who randomly opens fire during an argument with thousands of people around thugs, then, then you don't belong in the position that you're at. Because obviously, if you're excusing that type of behavior for whatever reason. Exactly. You, you shouldn't whatever. be there. Yeah. It does not matter to me had these been, you know, choir boys from somewhere in a suburb of, of Kansas City. I would still call them thugs or that other word I referenced, which we usually use to refer to a prophylactic device. It's just it's, wrong is wrong, dude. Evil is evil. Look at what you look like. Yeah. Yeah, and to turn this into, you have, you have the governor, obviously, you have the mayor, you have the police chief, you have law enforcement agencies from all over working to this. To, to make that the story instead of, hey, we need to do something. We need, we need to attack this head on because, again, they felt it was okay to bring weapons to a place where there was going to be more police officers than any other event in their estate um, and take them out and use them.
So let's get into that problem. Let's focus on that. Let's focus on to why they felt that that was just okay. And if you look at some of the videos out now that were taken without knowledge with these, these thugs in the background gearing up for this assault on each other, gearing up to randomly spray bullets across the, 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 the promenade there, because that's exactly what they did. Let's get to the facts of that. Let's get to the blame for that. Why do they feel it's okay to do that? How did they feel it was safe to take however they got down there? If they drove down there, if they took mass transit, uh, obviously there's no deterrent there because, like he said, there was 800 law enforcement officers there. Exactly. And you want to watch your back there. You you know, you start throwing around that thug word. Next thing you know, the mayor of Kansas City is going to be coming looking for you. Well, I'm not too hard to find, so he's more than welcome to come and talk to me. <laughs> You know how that rolls, right? I do. Yes, I do. And if you need somebody on your six, I'll <laughs> leave you my number. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. I should have some really great military interviews coming up this uh, when I'm down in CPAC, my friend. So make sure you're listening I'll Thursday and Friday. So you're back one day, you're off tomorrow, and then two days in CPAC, right? Yeah, I have to go down. For the, I'll be down there for CPAC. I'm going to call into Sue Henry when she's sitting in for the show tomorrow to kind of give an update on what's going on. But because all the security protocols, the credentialing, I wasn't able to broadcast live tomorrow because they're not going to be able to do the credentialing till about 4 o'clock. So I got to be well, online and, and do all that stuff. They didn't do that in Kansas City. They might have caught this nonsense. <laughs> yeah, yep. But we'll see. But right, I, well, hey, you know, you have a great trip. I'll be listening. And, uh, yeah, just like, wow, brother, wow. Yeah, yeah, I hear you. I hear you. And until we start recognizing real problems and calling them what they are, how, how do we expect people to address them? Uh, eat the hell out of me, man. All right, my All friend. Right. You have a Good great night. You. Good rest of the show. Thank you. Thank you. It's uh, 322 here at WILK. We'll be back with the Rob O'Donnell Show. Welcome back to the Rob O'Donnell Show on WILK News Radio. 325 here. 41 degrees and sunny. Well, Pennsylvania Treasurer Stacey Garrity's decision to invest more of Pennsylvania's money in Israel bonds draws protests and Democratic opposition. Interesting, of course, right? As protesters push Pennsylvania's state treasurer to divest from Israel amid mounting Palestinian deaths, Stacey Garrity is defending her decision to send taxpayer money to the country and drawing flack from political opponents who question her motives. Gary announced a few days ago on October 7th attack by Hamas that she purchased an additional $20 million in Israel bonds, an investment security that is backed by the country's government and pitched as one of the greatest opportunities to express support for the state of Israel. Republicans said it was important to show support at a time when the people of Israel were facing horrific terrorism by increasing Pennsylvania's existing investment. Pro-Palestine activists protests the decision at the state capitol in February, leading to dozens of people being detained and cited while trespassing. Interesting how when you storm the state capitol and just are detained and cited with trespassing, that's all it is, right? It's not, it's not an insurrection when you go there to the state capitol to trespass. Protesters, protesters called for Garrity to divest from a small, from all Israeli investments due to the war's rising death toll and invest in domestic priorities instead. They can invest in solar, right, and stuff like that that won't bring the return. That, that that's what the state treasurer's 
job is to invest the money so it makes money. That's that's what you're supposed to do. They also demanded she uh, consistently take into account environmental, social, and government ethics when choosing investments because they've always proven to be really good investments. We're talking about large percentage of money that we've invested in Israel bonds that isn't going towards our schools, isn't going towards our roads, said Omar Musa, an organizer with the Pennsylvania-Palestine Network. Well, that's not how that works. Uh, The money that's being invested is not money that's in our operational budget. So somebody should give Mr. Musa um, a crack course in civics and how budgeting is done for a state. As the state treasurer, Garrity, has the power to decide how the Commonwealth should invest about $50 billion worth of its savings. Again, savings is the key word there, not operational budget. Because the uh, position is elected, Pennsylvania's treasurer has considerable political independence when making those choices. Now, fiscal policy, monetary policy, investment policy is incredibly complicated and dynamic, and uh, we need thoughtful, honest brokers to do this. And if you're going to do it for a performance because it's politically expedient, you need to get reelected because it just so happens to be populist. But don't buy into that. There's too many factors when you're dealing with foreign countries that you cannot control. We have lots of secure investments that we could do here. I think it's uh, a lot better. And this is coming from um, McClellan, who unsuccessfully ran for Congress and is running against the uh, treasurer in the next election. State Representative Ryan Bizarro of Erie, his party endorsed primary candidate, said the statement he would support investing in Israel bonds because they contribute to primary objective of advancing Pennsylvania's financial objectives, while also having the added benefit of supporting a democracy. His campaign declined to say whether Bizarro would uh, support the investment at its current level or increase it. Instead, a spokesperson said he would first review and assess all investments upon taking office. Pennsylvania's investment in Israel goes back 30 years. The state treasury also invests in other country bonds, though only as part of an index fund. Portfolios, stocks, and bonds. Israel bonds are the only foreign-backed security the Commonwealth has purchased independently. But again, they've supported Israel by investing in them back 30 years. The treasury Israel bonds holdings was its single largest foreign investment even before Garrity's new $20 million. The investment now totals $56 million. So again, Pennsylvania before state's treasurer Garrity was even there was the largest investment in Israel. It's a good return. They have good interest rates. That's why you look to invest in those. And again, Pennsylvania has also invested in things like China and other governments where current laws that have passed have kind of pulled back on that and... Um, gotten us away from those those types of uh, investments. In 2022, State Secretary State Treasurer Garrity volunteer, voluntarily divested about $3 million in Russia holdings when the country invaded Ukraine. The state legislator later passed a law that required the Treasury to do so. So the State Treasurer, Ms. Garrity, withdrew from Russia investment before the state even passed a law to do so. That same year, Garrity also sold off nearly all the treasurer's 
$394 million investments in Chinese-associated securities due to geopolitical risks and human rights violations. So it's not uncommon for Pennsylvania to invest their savings because that's what it's there for. You invest it. That's why you have a state treasurer. Not operational budget to spend on schools and other things. Often invested in foreign entities. And as politics and geopolitical situations arose, like I just said, Russia, China-owned businesses, we've divested from those. But currently, investing in Israeli bonds has been profitable, has a good interest rate, and it supports their war on terror, our closest democratic ally in the Middle East. So that's where we're at as far as uh, the treasurer here in Pennsylvania it's 3.32 here at WILK. It's time for the news with Nancy Kamen, who's in for Paul Michaels. Welcome back to the Rob O'Donnell Show on WILK News Radio. 41 degrees and sunny on this Tuesday, February 20th. Oh, got a text message in. And again, I, I, was, I was talking about people who stormed the state capitol to protest the state treasurer buying Israeli bonds and was cited for trespassing. So obviously they broke the law to trespass into the state capitol, right? And I said, compared it to the many people who were just charged. And again, for the people in the cheap seats out there, yes, that's you, 7730. Um, the majority of people who were only charged with trespassing and disorderly conduct in regards to January 6th. Yes, there were people, many people, actually not so many if you look at the whole thousand people that were charged. The great majority of the people were only charged with trespassing and disorderly conduct. Um, a lot of them got jail time. Now people we've seen do the same at the same state uh, U.S. Capitol for a protest when it comes to Palestine that have been arrested, have also assaulted cops, but were cited. Uh, you also have the people here in Harrisburg who stormed and were trespassing to protest the state treasurer and were written tickets. So, yes, I'm comparing it to the people who were only charged with trespassing and disorderly conduct at the U.S. Capitol, not the people who broke further laws who, in my opinion, deserve what they got. So hopefully that... uh that solves your dilemma for you and gets your head out of the sand. So what Shapiro's budget pitch could do for Pennsylvania's rural communities? The $48.3 billion spending plan unveiled by Governor Josh Shapiro earlier this month earmarks, 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 it sounds about right. Funding for multiple sectors important to rural areas. With that money, rural communities could expand access to medical services, improve aging housing stock, and market outdoor landscape and generate local revenue. Republican lawmakers say the governor's budget proposal is fiscally irresponsible. However, some county officials think the plan proactively addresses projected population declines outside in the Center for Rural Pennsylvania report released last fall. While not every county, especially those in the Northeast, 
where officials say the report uses pre-pandemic data and doesn't reflect growth, agrees with the forecast. Government and education officials who testified in January hearing on the predictions believe it's accurate and hope that the targeted investment can help them get ahead of the situation. I hate to use the cliche, but if you build it, they will come, McLean County Commissioner, who testified during last month's hearing, told newspapers. We have to give, especially the younger people, a reason to want to stay here. Kyle Kopko, the Center for Rural Pennsylvania Executive Director, has encouraged policymakers to incorporate the report's finding in local planning. Though the center does not make direct policy recommendations, lawmakers sit on the board of directors. State Senator from Lycoming County, through a spokesperson, said the expected population decline is bigger than a one-time budget issue. In fact, it might be five- or ten-year effort. I'm working with my colleagues in the Center for Rural Pennsylvania board to address some of these issues. He who chairs the Center for Rural Pennsylvania board of directors did not provide specifics, though. Pennsylvania lawmakers have until June 30th to send a finalized spending plan to the governor's desk for approval. Now, what they're looking for for rural Pennsylvania is agriculture. The governor's budget proposed would allocate hundreds of millions for agriculture, an industry that generates billions of dollars for the Commonwealth's economy each year. Uh, Health and senior services, access to health care in rural communities have become increasingly limited. Home repairs and outdoor recreation. Now, is that what's really going to grow rural Pennsylvania? I mean, we're losing farmers, no doubt. We're losing farmers because their kids are, are not taking over the business anymore. We're just, our farmers are getting older. It's as simple as that. Farming, they've, they've destroyed our market here. They destroyed our dairy, mar- dairy market here and have made it very hard to continue to farm in Pennsylvania. Instead of giving millions of dollars in grants, how about we make it easier and better for our local farmers to make a living here? That would include local butchers being able to take meat here locally from the field to the, to, to the table. Same thing with our milk. We've gone to these conglomerate farms that have made it hard for the small mom-and-pop farms that are, are plentiful in our area or have been. I mean, just in my 20 years here, we've seen such a decline of those to where they bought out the dairy farmers and then they brought in Black Angus and now they, they're not even let that making it hard to make a living when it comes to that. So hopefully they have a plan, but hopefully their plan is to not make rural Pennsylvania urban Pennsylvania because I think that would be a travesty as well. It's uh, 344. Welcome back to the Rob O'Donnell Show on WILK News Radio. You can call or text at 570-883-0098. Well, Scranton, the city of Scranton, is seeking proposals for good stewards in their financial forecasting. City officials outlined a three-phase project in a recent request for proposal, starting with a five-year historical review of Scranton's budget revenues and expenditures. That first phase will establish a baseline for the city's current financial condition. Now, I'm kind of confused there. They couldn't do that themselves. I mean, they have a budget director, right? They have financial 
people already on the payroll that should be aware of the five-year historic review of Scranton's budget revenues and expenditures? That should be very... I mean, why do they need to bring someone else in and pay them from the outside to have to get information that they should already have at hand? I mean, the budget director for Scranton should be able to get that in a an hour's notice. Um, I I don't understand that. I, you know, I was responsible for a few million dollar budget in my previous life when when I I did before I came to radio, and. I was able to compare budgets years past or expenditures or as a matter of fact, I, I had to show that as justification of why I had to change or ask for an increase or try and cut somewhere and, uh, and show my board of directors that time and time again to show my, my general manager that time and time again. Um, so I, I don't really get that part of it. They, they should already have that. Says the chosen vendor will then provide revenue and expender projections for this in the next five years, as well as an analysis of the projections for Scranton's fund reserves. The forecast will include recommendations for best practices aimed at tackling issues that may present future financial difficulties. Uh, I hope, hopefully, this includes also not only an operating budget review and forecast, but a capital expenditure. A capital plan that goes out, it actually should go out to 30 years. Um, now, obviously, that changes. It, it's its a work in progress. It's a, it's a revolving um, plan that always needs to be looked at, upgraded, and modified because you don't have exact dates, per, per, precises on that. But uh, hopefully those projections for operating budget also include capital improvements that need and that's all their machinery their computers they're redoing their 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 real estate that they own it's it's not hard people do it every day and well time for the bloomberg o'donnell show on wilk news radio you can call or text at 570-883-00998 here in northeast pennsylvania well, our VA hospital draws fire over access to critical medication. Now, this uh, shouldn't be an issue, and I'm glad to see, and I'll give kudos when kudos are due, to Representative Matt Cartwright for getting involved in this and asking why. Lack of 24-hour access to potentially life-saving medication at the Department of Veterans Affairs Medical Center in Plains Township have raised concerns about the quality of care being offered to area veterans and has drawn scrutiny by the at least one lawmaker. Internal communications between medical leaders at the hospital obtained by the, the Citizen's Voice show, and great work by the Citizen's Voice uh, staff writer James Halpin here with this with this story, uh, show that the whistleblower a whistleblower has raised the lack of twenty four seven access to the anticoagulant reversal drugs Cassentra since at least July of 2022, and that at least three cases it has compromised the quality of veteran care. In a recent letter, U.S. Representative Matt Cartwright said the issue is a matter of critical importance and asked the Congressional Liaison Service Director for the Department of Veteran Affairs to take action to correct the situation at the Plains facility. Cassentra plays a pivotal role in treating life-threatening bleeding episodes, particularly in emergency situations where time is of the essence. It is imperative that the medication is readily accessible in all relevant departments, especially emergency rooms, 
to ensure timely and effective treatment to our veterans when they need it most. Spokeswoman for Cartwright said that the representative previously authored another letter to a local medical center director about the situation. A hospital spokesperson said that the facility is examining ways to improve efficiency and its administration of Cassentra. The safety and well-being of our patients is the number one priority of the Wilkes-Barre VA Medical Center. It is important to note that there have been no adverse effects or delays in care as a result of the existing policies relating to the administration of Cassentra at the medical center. Well, that's not what the whistleblower said. They said there was at least three that they could identify. Cassentra is used for the urgent reversal of anticoagulation medications such as warfarin or Eliquis in patients who have major bleeding and are undergoing an urgent surgical procedure according to the Food and Drug Administration. Um, Emergency Medicine Pharmacist Coordinator at Geisinger said administering Cassentra can help stop bleeding in patients who are on such anticoagulation medications. So again, this isn't just to prevent bleeding in a normal patient. This is to, to reverse the effects of anticoagulation medications that they may already be on, such as warfarin, Coumadin, Eliquis, and such like that. If they had a major bleeding event, we administer Cassentra as part of our care in reversal of these anticoagulants. Adding that medication can also help patients' blood to begin clotting normally, so hopefully the bleed could be controlled. Cassentra is not used for patients with hemophilia or have natural deficiencies in clotting. It's used specifically to reverse the effects of the anticoagulation medications. But because Northeast Pennsylvania has an aging population, the group is more likely to be taking blood-thinning medications. Cassentra has nevertheless become more commonly used in uh, used medication. We use it commonly in emergency room departments, they said, noting that Cassentra is more effective than previous types of anticoagulation reversal treatments. It filled a gap in patient care, so when it came to market, being marketed as an urgent reversal that acute period when the patient's in the emergency department, it really has shown its value. Now, the medication comes in a form of powder that must be diluted prior to being administered. Facilities that do not have all-night pharmacies, a 24-7 pharmacy, have access to medications via their OmniCell, an automated medication dispensing machine. Acute bleeding episodes, especially patients who are on blood thinners, require immediate urgent action to make sure that we can at least control the bleeding to allow the patient to have some hemososis, they said. Now there's an issue under the Department of Veterans Affairs directive issued by its Pharmacy Benefits Management Service and Medical Advisory Panel. The VA facilities that treat patients in need of anticoagulant reversals should have such medications readily and urgently available when clinically necessary. The directive goes on to say that the medication should be made available immediately when appropriate in an emergency setting. But internal hospital communications obtained show the facility's leadership has not acted despite the warning as early as July 14, 2022. In a message sent out in November, a whistleblower wrote that the three months to the hospital had three patients in three months. They had three patients who desperately needed Cassentra but could not get it due to internal policies in the facility. 
Now, there's a, according to the emails, the nurses oppose allowing it in the Omni cells because they refuse to mix the medications themselves. So it's good that Congressman Cartwright is on this. Our veterans deserve the best care they can get, and this is just simply unacceptable. We're going to continue to monitor this as well.